0: Excited to welcome up our in house powerhouse. She gets the same thing each time. She's an in house powerhouse. What else is there to say? Put your hands together for Pastor Adele. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction, Mel. Wow. Are we good? Yes. yes. Okay. Are we ready to hear from God? Yes. Are we ready to hear God's word? Because you know, we're not just sat in church just to fall asleep, are we? We sat here. The living God is here with us, and we're ready to connect to his word today. Amen. We're ready to understand what it means for our life and for us personally. Amen. 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 Okay, so we're in the book of Joshua, and what a fantastic message from Pastor Mel last week. Did anyone who was here who heard that? Fantastic. If you didn't, I really recommend you catch that online. So just to recap from last week, Joshua was the one who would lead the nation of Israel. Finally, into the promised land to claim their inheritance. Joshua had been Moses' protege. He came out of Egypt with Moses, and he was with Moses in the wilderness. So we learn that Joshua went through a time of preparation under Moses' leadership. He learned how to put his faith and his trust in God. He learned how to be a leader. He learned how to lead people. But he also learned how to submit. How to, su- to submit to God and to godly leadership. And I think that is so important for us as Christians to grasp that, to understand that. Because, you know, God is always going to be the supreme authority, isn't he? God is always going to be supreme authority. We profess Jesus as Lord of our lives. Jesus is always going to be the head of the church. So there's always going to be an element of surrender within a Christian's life. It's a non-going requirement to surrender yourself to God. And this is just something we're going to have to learn to live with. It is something we're going to have to get comfortable with in our own life. So there was a preparation process involved with Joshua. And there's a preparation process involved with your life as well. You know, all that time ago, God had to prepare a people and a leader from, from the ramble that come out of Egypt. He had to prepare a people and a leader who was ready to go into the promised land. He had to prepare Joshua. Joshua. So when the time came for Joshua to take the baton from Moses, he could not only hold it, he could carry it. He could carry it with a godly authority and he could carry it to a godly victory. There's a preparation process involved. So don't be surprised, guys. Don't find it unusual <laughs> if you find yourself in a season of preparation. You know, and sometimes this can be a really challenging season for us, can't it? Where we get crushed, you know, we get challenged. It's uncomfortable. But remember, Philippians 2.13 says, for, it, for God is working in you. Yeah. It's God doing the work in you. God is working in you, giving the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So we just need to let the scriptures teach us, don't we? Yeah. We need to let the scriptures teach us, and we need to remain open to what God is doing in our lives. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So we're in Joshua, and Joshua is classed as as one of the historical books in the Bible because it records the history of how the nation of Israel finally took the promised land, and the structure of the book is it's shaped into three main sections. So from chapter 1 to chapter 12 is what's called the conquest narratives. So it's all about the battles and how Israel claimed the land and the conquest of of the land of Canaan. Chapters 13 to 21 then deals with the distribution of the lands to the different tribes. And then chapters 22 to 24 um, talks about the early early settlement years of the nation of Israel settling within the land. So we're mainly going to stay in the first 12 chapters this morning. And we're going to talk about these conquest narratives, these conquest stories. So the first 12 chapters deal with the first three major battles for Israel. So we've got the Battle of Jericho, which we heard about last week. Then we have the the Battle of Ai. And then we have a battle at Gibeon where Joshua defeats the five southern kings. And I've got a map just to show us, just to give us um, a visual if we've got that map Mel. So the blue line there is, 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 is referred to as the central campaign. And that's how the nation of Israel got into the the promised land and just really established their presence there. That's the Jericho, Ai, and Gibeon battles. And then we have the southern campaign and then the northern campaign. And that is how Israel um, took the promised land. So these conquest chapters, these first three battles, these conquest chapters, they're fast-paced, they're action-packed. You know, we see God just doing some amazing things, don't we? We see God intervening just miraculously for the nation of Israel. We really just see some yay moments in these chapters, don't we? You know, it reveals just the awesomeness of God, his unrivaled power. It reveals his sovereignty. It, It reveals his sovereignty over creation, And just on a cosmic scale, you know, we see the walls of Jericho crashing down. We see the sun standing still still so Joshua can defeat um, his enemies. We see the waters of Jericho drying up. We see killer hailstones coming down on the enemies. We really see some fantastic moments for God, don't we? (laughs) Woohoo! Are we awake? Are we connecting? Good. (laughs) But you know what we also see coming off these pages? If we look a little bit more closer... What we also see coming off these pages is our own flawed humanity, don't we? Our own flawed humanity and weaknesses. There's fear and doubt from Joshua himself. You know, um, the battle of Ai, um, Ai actually defeated Israel in the first battle. It took a second battle. And this is what Joshua says after the first defeat of Ai. Joshua says, alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we'd stayed, been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Does that sound familiar? If only we'd stayed in Egypt. If only we'd stayed on the Jordan. You know, this great military leader, he has his moments of fear and doubt. There's sin. We learn about sin. There was an Israelite named Achan, and when they defeated Jericho, God said, "Don't touch the silver and gold that's set apart for me; that's holy." But he did. He did take the silver and gold, and he concealed it. We read that in chapter seven. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the to the devoted things. Achan, son of Kami, the son of Zimri, the son of Zariah. <laughs> Of the tribe of Judah took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. There's fear, this sin, even when God's doing these amazing things. And this outright disobedience to God's word as well. After Joshua defeated um, Ai finally, um, he, made, he made a peace treaty with the people of Gibeon. He made a, a treaty with them to, to allow them to stay in the land safely and he will protect them. And God never told him to do that. He never told him to do that. And we read that in chapter 9, 14 to 15. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. So they basically just took matters into their own hands. They trusted their own wisdom. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it with an oath. So we see all these human flaws at play here. Yet what do we see? We see God also so graciously. And patiently just loving them and continue to work in with them. We see him making these divine (laughs) accommodations for them time and time again. And this is such a common thread throughout the Bible, isn't it, that we see. But what can we learn from the book of Joshua today? Well, I want us to consider three points together. Who are we? Who is God? And what is our response? Or who are we? Who is God and what is our response? So who are we? Well, first and foremost, we need to remember that we're created beings, aren't we? We have been created. We only exist because we have a sovereign creator who knitted us together and breathed life into us. Psalms 95 reminds us he's the owner of every ocean. The engineer and sculptor of earth itself. Come and kneel before this creator God. Come and bow before the mighty God, our majestic maker. For we are those he cares for and he is the God we worship. That's awesome, isn't it? And amazingly, this majestic maker, this creator God desired us. He desired us. He he created us to love us and be in relationship with us. You know, there's a fantastic, excuse me, Bible teacher called N.T. Wright. He's a fantastic Bible teacher and he says this, which I think is great. I am loved, therefore I am. I am loved, therefore I am. Now that might just need to sit with us a little while. We are created. But who are we even in relation to these Old Testament scriptures? Who are we Um, in relation to these stories that we read about, which are fantastic, but they happened so long ago. You know, how can we connect with them? How can we even make them relevant in our life today? You know, we might be tempted to think, well, they're fantastic stories. They're amazing stories, but they're Israel's stories. That's the Jewish people's history and heritage. That's not mine. How can I connect with that? Well, scripture says, if you are in Christ you have been grafted into the family of God. You have been grafted into the nation of Israel. The Apostle Paul says, we were the wild branches of the olive shoot and we have been grafted in to the natural branches of the olive tree, which was Israel. So we now are, so to speak, in the same family tree. Romans eleven seventeen says, however, some of the branches have been pruned away And you, who were once nothing more than a wild olive branch, God has grafted in, inserting you among the remaining branches as a joint partner to share in the wonderful richness of the cultivated olive stem. We are now part of God's one big family. We have a place in this amazing story of God and creation and humanity. These stories are just as much our stories as they are are Israel's. This is a spiritual history and heritage that we ourselves can lay claim to. We are Abraham's seed according to faith. This is our spiritual history and heritage. These are our spiritual ancestors. We can lay a claim to this as children of God. And just like our created spiritual ancestors, we mess up, don't we? We mess up. (laughs) And we get it so wrong. You know, we were born into sin in a fallen world. We just mess up. We get it wrong. We can faint in fear and disbelief when things don't go our way. We can cry out to God and even blame God like Joshua. God, why did you? Why did you? We think we know best, don't we? (laughs) We think we know best so many times. I do. We think we know best. We take matters into our own hands, like Joshua did with the people of Gibeon, make our own plans, wonder where God is in it all. <laughs> and we have ongoing battles of sin in our life, don't we? We have ongoing battles of sin when sometimes temptation gets the better of us, just like with Achan. But God. God. He's good, and his grace always divinely accommodates for us, doesn't it? Yeah. And you know what I think also is interesting about Achan's story when we read about it? It shows us something else about ourselves. It shows us something else about us as a family of God. We are all connected to one another by the same spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, For by one spirit we, were all, we all were immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. We are all connected. When Achan decided to sin, when he made a decision for himself, it affected the whole nation of Israel. And that was why they lost their first battle at Ai. And we read that in Joshua 7, 4, 5. And this is the account of them going up the first time um, to Ai. So about 3,000 of them, the Israelites, went up, but they were rooted by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israel, Israelites from the city gates as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. And that's when Joshua falls on his face. <laughs> Why didn't you leave us in, in the, over the Jordan? But look what God says to Joshua in chapter 7. The Lord says to Joshua, stand up. Stand up. What are you doing on your face? Don't you love that? (laughs) Sometimes God just needs to be blunt, doesn't he? Stand up. (laughs) Do you think if God could roll his eyes at us? Stand up. (laughs) Stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. He says, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I made Uh, which I commanded them to keep, they have taken some of the devoted things, they have stolen, they have lied, they have put them with their own possessions. Israel has sinned, they have sinned. So this affirms to us that God not only sees us as as a collection of individuals, but as a collective as well. We are one body, he sees us as a collective um, group of people as one body and so this really has to challenge our individualistic thinking doesn't it which is so strong in society today isn't it it's me and I and me and mine it really has to challenge that and we hear this it's just me and God I don't need the church it's just me and God over here but do you know there is no biblical reference for that statement There is no biblical reference. It's a culturally generated and influenced statement. And somewhere along the line, the church has just pulled that in, some of the church. There is no reference for that. We are a collective body. We are a collective body. And our decisions, be they good or bad, our decisions can have a huge impact on one another. A huge impact. And I just wanted to highlight that because I think it's so important just for us to be aware of that, that, isn't it? As we move forward as a family, as we move forward as a church into all God has for us, it's just so important to bear that in mind. We are created beings. We are part of this big story, this big amazing story, and we're connected by the same spirit. So who is God? What does the book of Joshua teach us about God? Well, it shows us God is a holy God. It demonstrates his unrivaled power. His unrivaled power. It shows us his complete sovereignty. And it highlights God as king of kings and lord of lords. Mm -hmm. The king above any earthly king. The the, the The heavenly king that can topple any earthly throne just at the drop of a hat. You know, we see so many kings overthrown when God was with Joshua as he was conquering the land. Just king after king after king gone. God is the king of kings, isn't he? God is the king of kings. But I think it also teaches us a great deal about God's grace and God's gentleness. It teaches us about his faithfulness to his people and it teaches us about his commitment to the fulfillment of his promises. His commitment to the fulfillment of his promises. After the first defeat A.I. and the judgment of in sin, we read in Joshua chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Take the, whole na- take the whole army with you and go up and attack A.I. again. For I have delivered into your hands the king of A.I., his people, his city, and his land. God didn't give up on Israel. God doesn't give up on you. God's plans for Israel never changed. God's plans for your life never change. He never changes his mind about you. Yeah. But you see, Joshua had to do something, didn't he? What did Joshua have to do? He had to get up. <laughs> He had to get up. Joshua had to receive God's encouragement and in obedience take that step into God's direction, didn't he? And in fact, these were the first steps towards gaining the victory. He had to get up. And you know what? It can be the most difficult time in a Christian's life after a defeat such as Ai. It really can. You know, we can have this recurring sin that just keeps wiping us out. Time and time again, we can't seem to get over it and we don't feel like we can come to God. There might be shame there. We keep ending up in this place of defeat because this self-serving flesh just won't obey God. (laughs) You know, we can have, have had tremendous loss and tremendous hurts in our life where we've blamed God, we've got angry at God, we've let bitterness get in and we've turned away. We can be in this place of defeat, confusion, fear, bitterness, and we can question, is God really with me? Is God looking at me? Can his favor ever be with me again? Could God's promises ever really be fulfilled in my life? Could God's loving arms really still be open to me? Could they? You know, we all have our AI discouragements. Every one of us has our AI defeats. But you know what the book of Joshua shows us? God is all about the rematch. God is all about the rematch. He's all about picking you back up, turning you around and going again, isn't he? He is all about the rematch. His faithfulness still stands. His promises still stands. His call is irrevocable. His favor is still with you. His love never gives up. And his commitment is still with you. He is all about the rematch in your life. And we read in Joshua chapter 8. So, Joshua finally burned AI and made it a permanent heap of ruins, a desolated place to this day. Do you know God is ready to make some unwanted sin a heap of burnt ruins in your life? Do you know God is ready to make fear and doubt desolate places that you don't visit anymore? He's ready, but the question is are you ready for the rematch? Are you ready for the rematch? Are you ready to claim your victory with God? Are you ready? A very wise lecturer of mine said, God's intentions towards us are always good, but human choices shape their future. God's intentions towards us are always good, but human choices shape their future. Joshua had to choose to get up and follow God. What will you choose? What will you decide to do? You know, we have to take responsibility for our actions and our decisions. We can't choose to blame God when we constantly make decisions away from him and not in his direction. When we're constantly making decisions that don't line up with his word and will, we have to take responsibility for that. We get to choose how our future is shaped. And we can choose: is it in the God direction or is it not? Is it to be obedient to God? or is it not? Is it to keep our hearts open to God, no matter what we might experience, or is it not? That choice is ours. That's the one he's left in our hands, guys. So Joshua shows us God is sovereign, he's powerful, God is loving, and so, so gracious. Even though God is a holy God and he hates what's wrong, he hates what's sin, is constantly making divine accommodation for us by his grace for humanity to remain in relationship with him. You know, the Torah was given to the nation of Israel as an act of God's grace. It was given as an act of God's grace because it enabled the nation of Israel to come into relationship with the holy God and walk before him and receive his blessings God's faithfulness and commitment never wavers. He is our holy God. He is our creator God. He is our faithful God. He is our gracious God. And he desires to be in relationship with us. He gave the Torah to Israel as an act of grace so they could come into relationship with him. And he extends his ultimate grace to us in his son, Jesus Christ, so we can come into relationship with him. He's a gracious God. Which brings us to this place. What is our response? What is our response? After Joshua defeated Ai in the rematch, he takes the nation of Israel to a place called Shechem. He takes a whole nation. Now this was for a specific purpose. It was for them to recommit themselves back to God. It was a recommitment ceremony. And this was actually an instruction given by Moses um, before he died. We know Joshua didn't, um, Moses didn't enter the promised land. So this was an instruction back in the book of Deuteronomy that he gave to Joshua to make sure was carried out. And we read that in Deuter- Deuteronomy 29. When the Lord your God, this is Moses speaking, when the Lord your God has brought you into the land you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings and on Mount Ebal the curses. And there in Shechem, Shechem is, is what runs through these mountains. We go on to read, You are about to cross the Jordan to enter and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. When you have taken it over and are living there, Be sure that you obey all the decrees and laws I am setting before you today. After such great victories, after God just interceded for them miraculously and miraculously, after they got their miracle, after they got their promised land, Joshua took them to a a place to pause and just remember who God was. Just remember who God was. He took them to a place to Recommit themselves back to God. A place to recenter their lives on God. A place to reestablish God as Lord of their lives. They were instituting God's law as the law of the new land. And they were recognizing God as King of their new land and sovereign over it. Joshua called the people as a leader. He called the people after all these amazing victories. It's a wholehearted response back to Yahweh, their God. The God who had done so much for them. The God who had saved them from Egypt. The God that had carried them through. The God that had led them to victory. He called them back to a a recommitment to him. And we read it in Joshua chapter 8. I'll just read you the account. There at Shechem, in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on stones a copy of the law of Moses. All the Israelites with their elders, officials and judges were standing on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord facing the Levitical priesthood who carried it. Both the foreigners living among them and the native-born were there. Half of the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of of them stood in front of Mount Ebal as Moses, a servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave the instructions to bless the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law. The blessings, the curses, just as it had been written in the book of the law. They were recommitting themselves back to God. And you know Shechem was no insignificant place for Israel. Shechem was a place that had history for Israel. Do you know it was at Shechem that God made the covenant with Abraham under the Oaks of Moriah. He made the covenant to, covenant to give his descendants a land, the promised land, the land of Canaan. And here they were standing in the fulfillment of God's promises. It was at Shechem that Jacob called his people, called his tribe to put away their false idols and turn once again to the living God. And they buried their false idols under the tree, the same tree, the Mariah. They knew Shechem was significant. They understood Shechem to be a place of covenant and a place of choice. It was a place of covenant and a place of choice. And after this recommitment ceremony, after this pause, after this recognition and recommitment back to God, the nation of Israel rapidly took the promised land. Rapidly, the southern campaign, the northern campaign, it was fast. You know, God is not slow at fulfilling his promises. But are we slow to respond? Are we slow to respond? Shechem was a significant moment in Israel's history. And I believe there has to come a significant moment in the life of every believer. I believe there has to come a significant moment in the life of every church. Where we call to Shechem. We call to Shechem. We call to remember who God is. We call to remember what God has done. And then we're invited to make a response. We're invited to make a response. Will we respond wholeheartedly to our loving Creator God? Will we get up and give ourselves to Him once again? Submit ourselves to Him once again? You know, there may be fear. There may have been fear. There may still be fear. There may have been confusion. There may still be confusion. There may be anger. May have been anger. May still be anger. But Jesus' invitation to us today is to Come anyway. Come anyway. Come and recommit yourself to me again. You know, you're never too far gone. It's never too late. You've never turned away, you know, far enough. You've never done anything bad enough that His love and His mercy and His forgiveness cannot handle. And His call is to come anyway. Come anyway. And we can choose to respond wholeheartedly to God's call on our lives and His plan for our lives. We can choose to wholeheartedly keep our hearts open to God and acknowledge Him as Lord of our life. Or we, or we cannot. Again, the choice is in our hands. God's intentions towards us are always good, but human choices shape their future. And what will our response be today? What will our response to God's invitation today I just want to pray now I want to pray for for anyone that that might not have have made a decision for God yet if this is their first time I want to pray for you and then we're just going to let the worship team play a song for us um, and we're just going to take a moment to be with God is that okay we're just going to take a moment to let God uh, move so let's all just pray this prayer together church thank you Lord just repeat after me Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you died on a cross for me. I believe God um, rose you from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I look to you today as Lord of my life. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, please come and see either myself or Pastor Mel and Jacob, and we'd love to talk to you. So why don't we just stand up, guys, and let's just keep this atmosphere of worship, atmosphere of praise. You know, God is with us. He's among us. His presence is here right now. The living God is among us. And I just want to give God some time to move. I want to give you some time just to process and respond to God. And you know, we're going to open the front up here and you know, if you need to come down and just be before God today, then please don't let us stop you. Push your way down if you need to be out here and just recommit to God. This is a safe place. It's a loving place. It's a place where you can connect with God and us as your family can stand with you in prayer. So let's just have a moment with God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Faith Shine